Howdy, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How you doing out there in Texas? It's coming back together. Temperatures are back up into the uh, 70s after below 30. This is episode number 34. Hey there. It is good to have you with us again, so please relax, lay back, and enjoy another 17 Minutes podcast with your host, LaFool and A. Did you lose power, electricity, and water in your neighborhood? In my neighborhood, I didn't lose power. The water got contaminated. It was fine the first few days, then the calling on Friday, and I'm like, all your water. It was a recorded message that goes to everybody's phone. Yeah. Phone starts ringing. It's a 512 number, so let's see what this is. I think it was a pre-recorded message. It had to have been. There's no way they could have individuals calling everybody all at once. That night, the water went out. Boop. It could have been like Thursday or Friday, I'm not really sure. There was snow on the ground, so I went outside and just grabbed a bunch of snow and put it into like a plastic garbage container and filled it up and brought it in and let it melt. Now, some people boiled their water and then they used that to flush their toilets. I feel sorry for anybody that had to drink snow. I'm sure that happened in some places, and I feel bad for you if you were drinking snow. I had water left over from the first catastrophe, the pandemic, back in March. I got water back in December 2020, and so I had so much water and toilet paper, like that wasn't even going to be an issue. And all the food supplies I had, because I got food supplies back then, which I never really used, like emergency stuff. And so I hadn't gone to the grocery store, and a friend called me. He's like, hey, buddy, you better be on the lookout. It's getting ugly down there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was just too busy with other stuff. And then when it hit, oh, got caught by surprise. And so I had spaghetti for about four days in a row. You can't complain. You had food. There were some folks that didn't have food. Some people lost their lives. What's your big takeaway from that whole experience? It was four days or six days of real discomfort, right? I've been saying welcome to the apocalypse. So this is nothing new. It's another phase of the apocalypse. The hits just keep coming. The sad part is after all the snow melts, it's very apocalyptic looking outside. Everything is dead. Austin in particular, in certain parts of like Southern Texas, uh, mid-Texas, a lot of the trees here are not indigenous, like the people, of course. They've been planted from some other place, you know, desert stuff and tropical stuff. So when it hit freeze for days, it all died. Palm trees, dead as far as the eye can see. Cactus dead as far as the eye can see. Wow. And other green stuff like that. A lot of tropical plants that just were like, what the hell is this, dad, ma? They all died. The snow is melted and it's just dead plants as far as the eye can see. It sucks, but you know, that's, that's life. What's your take on the reason that you had such a power outage? There's lots of discussion and lots of blaming going on with whether or not uh, it had anything to do with some of the more environmentally sound power sources versus perhaps a poorly state-run system. Am I correct that Texas isn't under some federal guidelines and doesn't have the backing of the federal government in some way? Talk to me about all that that's swirling around now. Well, Texas, I mean, you can take a look at maps out there of how the power grid works, and there's an eastern power grid and a western power grid, and it kind of divides right up along the Rocky Mountain borderline. The problem is that Texas chose to get off the power grid, and so they became deregulated. 
Uh, they said, we want our own power grid. We don't want the federal government being involved in it. We can do it ourselves. And so they privatized it. A handful of companies made a lot of money and they pocketed that money rather than putting it back into the infrastructure. And they were warned uh, as far back as 2011 that, look, you guys need to put this money back into this. This is the big divide, in my opinion, between privatization and federal government, whether it's going to Mars or whether it's taking care of your power grid. When you have the government involved, there's an obligation to do it right and to look up for the people, people over profits. When it's a private corporation, profits always come first. And that's exactly what happened in Texas. They did it on the cheap. They pocket a lot of the money. There's even like a, a relief fund in Texas, which was apparently disappeared in this hour of crisis. A lot of the right wing and the GOP want to blame it on the renewable energies. It's their fault. But the truth is, I've been reading a lot about this. The renewable energy, as far as wind, wind performed to what it was believed it was going to perform to. It actually surpassed what they expected it was going to do. The problem was they went on the cheap. They didn't insulate a lot of stuff. And they didn't do a good job of preparing for a cold day. And again, they saved money on it, you know, because how long is it going to be cold? It'll only be cold for like a week or two. We can muster through that. That was kind of their reasoning on it. And when that time came, they weren't ready for it. Natural gas underperformed. And that's also caused a big portion of the problem. It's what you're going to get when you privatize. Now, the question is, who's going to be held accountable? You have a Republican governor and he's instantly going to be told, hey, look, don't point your finger at us. We have to point at the renewable energy people and just pick AOC. Or let's pick her. She'll be the scapegoat. Right. That was really weird. Like, what, you just pick AOC because she's proposing the Green New Deal? She has nothing to do with Texas. Also, she ended up coming to Texas and raising, what, $2 million and serving people lunch and, I don't know, doing all kinds of other stuff. I'm glad that she did. But yeah, she she's one of those trigger words. You know, so, oh, it's LC's fault. Blame her. Oh, and then they all just forget about blaming the actual culprits and they all just use her as a scapegoat. She turns it around pretty good. She says, oh, I'm the scapegoat. Watch this. Raises $2 million, comes out here and makes a difference. Meantime, Senator Ted Cruz is down in Cancun on the beach with his daughter. And he was going to stay longer than that. Oh, yes, he was. He was staying for the long haul. He's like, I'll be gone about two weeks. Let me know how things go. At the Ritz-Carlton, you don't go just for a day. Yeah. You go to the Ritz to stay, and it's a nice day. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We all know the deal. He had this trip planned. It was probably planned for a lot like a year ago. Didn't know that anything was going to come out like this. Of course. And all of a sudden it hits, and he just doesn't have the common sense to say, hey, I, we're going to postpone this, kids. All right. Yeah, this is a bad time to go. My daughter had a, she didn't have to go, sir. You didn't have to go. The worst part about it, I have yet to find a single person who's a Republican on the right that has said, let's call Ted Cruz out on that. When the mayor of Austin took off during the quarantine to go to a wedding in Mexico, there was like calls for his resignation, you know burn the witch, burn the witch, you know, and all this crazy stuff. Cruz does the same thing. And it's like, whoa, excuse, excuse, excuse. He did it for his daughter. He's a family man. You said it demonstrates poor common sense. I think it demonstrates a lot more than that. It demonstrates a lack of accountability to the position that he holds and the responsibilities that he has. It's not just common sense to not go. Send your family. Let them have a nice vacation without you. 
and you go back and do the work that needs to be done. And people are saying, well, you know, there's really nothing he could have done. Showing up on the street with the people, spending a couple of hours in different locations, handing out food, talking to people, getting a sense of what they're going through. That is your job. That is what you do as a senator. It's not the only thing that you do, but you connect with the people that you serve to figure out how you can better serve them. It wasn't just a lack of common sense. It's a lack of responsibility, accountability, and I don't know what. Senator John Gorin was writing letters and trying to get federal funding. And I think Ted Cruz was like, can you put me on the letter too, please? You know, and it tried to make it look good. So it's like they together they started doing this. But I don't think it was Cruz. I think it was the other senator. At least he had an, enough understanding of the situation to know what he's supposed to do as a senator. You're the relationship between the, the people and the federal government who have plenty of resources. Connect. Make it happen. That's what a senator does. Gorman was on the ball. He was doing his job. Cruz was trying to get a better suntan. I was very glad AOC came down. She did a great job. She came down here. She went to Houston uh, and she made the world a better place. There you go. That's how to do it. Also, that's kind of what you need to do sometimes just to stay in the spotlight. She needs to be in the spotlight probably for a variety of reasons. And that's one way to do it. And I give her props for taking advantage of a really bad situation. It will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I get it. I am not opposed to the idea of there being three different networks. There's an East Coast version, there's a West Coast version, and there's a Texas version. But it needs to be connected federally. And this needs to be a wake-up call to them. Because if this was connected federally, what could have happened was that one power grid can connect to the left side, other to the right side, and they can shift energy here. So that's really how it should have been. And again, the reason I personally think they need to be disconnected is to avoid one mass attack that takes up the entire system. And that's the way it's designed right right now. But the problem is this, because when Texas privatized and deregulated, they forgot about one thing, that in capitalism, absolute greed corrupts absolutely. And that's exactly what happened here. The sad part about it is the Republicans here. It's, it's still a red state. As soon as it started getting warm again, they started to forget all about it. And by this summer, this will be completely watered under the bridge and they won't even see a need to consider it for next year. No one is yet to mention here in Texas, climate change is affecting us. And if they won't, they never will. You're telling me that climate change is not part of a statewide conversation, either on the news or in print media or anywhere else. It's not something that comes up in regular conversation with regular people. This is my opinion, but red state means a dead state of mind. They're still listening to right-wing propaganda. Oh, climate change isn't real. It's a hoax, blah, blah, blah. So no, there's not even acknowledgement of that. If you don't even acknowledge a problem, you can't fix a problem. There's a guy I listen to on the radio or, or a podcast. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a local here. He's active military. The guy knows better. He looks at military briefings. He knows better. And he's going to be like talking about, this is the first time it's ever been this cold in Texas. No, it's not. I've been here for three years. In 2019, there was snow. In 2020, there was snow every single February. And it's gotten progressively worse as I've been here. Like, this is the worst it got. So this isn't like some fluke. This is going to get worse and worse and worse. And Texas has no plan. 
as far as I know. So what does the federal government do with a state like Texas that isn't necessarily thinking forward and it doesn't want to talk about climate change? Does the federal government need to drag them along and just enforce things? Or do you let a state sort of suffer? What's the responsibility of the federal government in a situation like that, where legitimately the majority of the state says, we don't want to deal with climate change, we don't think it's happening, and we don't want policies, we don't want spending associated with that? How does that work out in the long run with the federal government? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, I'm just a fool. And all I'm going to say is this, Texas has done its best to suppress voting. And one of the things they did was gerrymandered all these big areas and all the big cities. And if people in Texas, especially people of color in all the major cities here, Dallas, San Antonio, El Paso, Austin, if they all came out and actually voted, they can get rid of this problem. The federal government just can't keep bringing them on kicking and screaming. It's like taking a child to Disneyland who just doesn't want to go. And that's actually a really bad example because you're still going to take your child to Disneyland because you know what's best for them. I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And you can give a man a thought, but you can't make him think. And that's a problem with Texas. You have to let them get voted out of office. And it's the responsibility of those who suffered through this when the elections come around to get these guys out of office. If Ted Cruz wins again, Texas doesn't have a hair on their ass. Not a single Texan. If you let Ted Cruz win again, you, you get what you deserve. But you've just said you've got a voting problem there and you've got a gerrymandering problem. So can you honestly blame all of the people who have been disenfranchised by various mechanisms? Do you want to be mad at them necessarily? I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying that's just a fact. Texas got gerrymandered. And what it did was it took all these areas that voted really strongly and they they broke them up so that a lot of them have people of color in them. And then they have this small white minority that ends up taking the vote in each one of these districts. That's how they win. And what messes up gerrymandering, because they assume blacks blacks aren't going to vote, Latinos aren't going to vote. So we have just a few whites over there. When they win that, we get this whole thing rather than having one district that's all white. Yeah. And so what happens now is that it's broken up. If they came out and voted, they would outnumber those people in their district that vote in a heartbeat. I saw some reporting that pointed out that it took a 10-year plan with Stacey Abrams to accomplish what just happened in Georgia. Is it possible to do something similar with voting initiatives and voting rights in Texas? Is it already in play there? Is there any hope? I think this has been a big wake-up call. I think the more that things like this happen, the more that people are going to come out and vote. I believe that Texas is going to become a purple state sooner than we think. Eventually, become a slightly blue state. Austin is blue. Austin has a, a Democratic mayor. And every single Texas state needs to have that. And then in the legislation needs to happen. And then eventually Texas needs to get a Democratic governor. And when that happens, we have a lot more Democrats in the Senate. I mean, hello, it's the United States of America, period. As much as Texas wants to be its own state or a third world nation, it's still the United States of America. Act like it. You've been through a little bit of a cold apocalypse. Yes, the cold apocalypse is slowly ending. Now will come the rainy apocalypse, and then the water will be out again because the reservoirs will get contaminated. And then will come the hot apocalypse, and we'll all be done like a roasted turkey. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Excellent.
Excellent. Bye. Talk to you later. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom.